morning, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the JC Hoops Podcast. I'm your host, Jackson Collier. I would be remiss not to mention two great losses in the basketball world recently. Legendary coaches Lute Olson and John Thompson passed away, both inductees into the College Basketball Hall of Fame and the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. The game of basketball would not be what it is today without them. I give my condolences to their families, friends, and players. May they rest in peace. On to this edition of the JC Hoops Podcast, sponsored by CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers. CJ's has locations in Fayetteville on Weddington and in Russellville on North Arkansas Avenue. Online ordering is available at their Fayetteville location, and CJ's has been voted best burger and fries in the state. Fulfilling their motto, when all you do are burgers, they have to be the best. I am extremely fortunate for today's guest on the JC Hoops podcast. He's been an NBA scout for the Houston Rockets, and after a successful two years as a head coach of UC Riverside, he's reunited with Eric Musselman as the associate head coach at the University of Arkansas, Coach David Patrick. How are you doing this morning, Coach? Hey, I'm doing well. Thanks so much for having me on your show. Yeah, no problem, Coach. Anytime, of course. Um... So I just kind of wanted to jump straight into this. Uh, no use in, in small talk, I don't guess. Just go right for it. Um, so you've been you've been in Fayetteville for a couple of months now. Um, so welcome to Arkansas, officially. Um, Thanks so much. Yeah, no problem. Uh, so how how are you adjusting to, to life in Fayetteville? How's Fayetteville treating you? Look, it's been a, been a pleasant surprise, and we. we we were excited when, you know, when Coach Musselman called and, and talked to me about coming here and uh, him and his wife, Danielle, sold me and my wife and how nice it is here. But, you know, I think they even undersold it, you know, in terms of we've had a, had a great time with uh, being here and just seeing how nice the city is and the people have been. It's been, uh, been phenomenal. I'm so glad to hear that, Coach. Uh, you're well-traveled in the profession, uh, but was there an adjustment coming to Arkansas? I mean, you've been in California, you've been in Louisiana, Australia, like all over the place. You know what? I, I think my familiarity with the SEC and, and, and coming in, you know, into Arkansas to, to recruit in the past and obviously play here um, as an opponent, um, I had some familiarity with the, with the state and with the region. Um, what I didn't know was actually the city of Fayetteville and, and the surrounding areas, how, uh, how, how nice it is. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's been, you know, my kids have been blown away, uh, you know, by how they've been received coming here. And so, uh, you know, I'm so happy to not be a Razorback. Well, good. And obviously, Razorback fans are really excited to have you uh, on staff as well. You've actually coached a few games in the state of Arkansas at different stops, including the NCAA tournament at Altel Arena in 2008 with St. Mary's. Gosh, you gotta, yeah, you've, done, you've done your research. We did, and that didn't turn out as good as we wanted it to. But, yeah, we played there, I think, in, in 08 and, and lost uh, a close game to Miami uh, in the NCAA tournament. So, uh, yeah, we were in Little Rock. And my, my wife and kids reminded me of that last week when I wanted to drive down there. They said, oh, we've been there before. Dad, we, went, we were at the tournament. I was like, oh, my gosh, I forgot, you know. You know, funny story about that, actually. Um, I was at that tournament, and I actually uh, got to meet the entire St. Mary's staff and team. Oh, wow. Boy, so, hello again. <laughs> <laughs> very, very small world, but uh, for, for listeners who might not know, that was the, the Patty Mills uh, St. Mary's Gales team. 
Um, they made it to the NCAA tournament, and it was the one year that Little Rock was hosting the, the opening round in the NCAA tournament. And I think it was Miami and St. Mary's and I want to say Texas and maybe Oregon were there. I think you're right. Yeah, that, that was that region. And, and uh, Miami, you know, we had Patty Mills is, is, is still playing in the NBA. And we thought we had a good shot to, to, to clip Miami. And, you know, they had a kid named Jack McClinton who went on to play with the Spurs. We had like 36 in that game. Uh, the guy, Joey Graham, that's still playing in the NFL, I think the tight end, I think he's now with the Seahawks. He was on that team as well. So it was a good game. And, um, you know, something obviously we, we, we wish we came out the better side of the stick on, but uh, it was a great memory. I do remember uh, all the chants from the St. Mary's fans because I'd never heard anything like it before. Ozzy, 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 oi, 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 Ozzy, oi, Ozzy, oi. Every time Patty got the ball, every time Patty scored, it was just a great environment and well-traveled, too. They came all the way to Arkansas in a pretty good amount. Yeah, look, you know, that was, uh, you know, St. Mary's is a smaller program, and obviously we had a lot of success to that point, but Patty kind of took us to the next level. But uh, those fans there uh, were fantastic, but I don't think they they match uh, the Razorback fans. You know, those those fans at St. Mary's were great, but I don't know if they can compare to these, these, these fans you have here in Fayetteville and the state of Arkansas. Oh, yeah, Razorback fans will give pretty much any fan base a run for their money. I actually still, to this day, have full St. Mary's gear in my closet. My dad was actually the local sponsor or ambassador for the Gales for that tournament. So we actually met y'all at the airport and were kind of your chaperone to the hotel. So I got to actually meet my brother and I got to meet the players, the staff, uh, uh, one of the athletic directors, I think... uh, he was associate athletic director. I'll never forget his name because it's such a unique name. Mark Papadopoulos. Papadopoulos, yeah. Pop, that, he, he was with us. And actually now he's at San Francisco. Uh, with actually, he's now at San Francisco. With one of our players who was in that game named Todd Golden, who's now the head coach at San Francisco. Um, so it's, 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 it's crazy how, how, world, how worlds meet in this big but small world of basketball. Yes, sir. I actually got to be ball boy for that NCAA tournament, which was kind of an honorary position. I didn't really do much except sit on the floor. I didn't have to clean up much. I didn't get to touch the balls, but it was a cool experience. <laughs> that's awesome, man. What a, that, that's a fantastic story. Actually, I was cleaning out my uh, my boxes because we just moved into our new house here and, and hanging up my, uh, I guess, my NCAA watches and, and, and that 2008 watch was there and hey man if you need any more St. Mary's gear I got boxes for you I'm trying to get rid of all this gear here here from all my stops I might have to take you up on that because I've kind of been an honorary St. Mary's fan ever since then so how many talking about all the NCAA tournaments you've been to exactly how many NCAA tournaments have you been a part of as a coach you know I I went to two as a player three I want to say as a player and coach it's been nine you know and so it's 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 been a it's been a it's been a great journey you know and and sometimes you take it for granted you know when i was at uh at riverside my last two years i forgot how hard it is to get to to postseason play you know but to be a part of that many ncaa tournaments and nit appearances i think there's there's probably 10 or 11 if if you count the nit um you know just you know, winning's important, and 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 it's hard to do. So it's been, I've been blessed to be in, in, in those positions. But I think I've, you know, aligned myself with with, with great coaches and, and and surrounded myself with try to surround myself with, with great people and players, and that that. 
pays a lot when it comes to winning winning basketball games and competing for championships. Oh yeah, for sure. And you were you were on staff with Coach Muss at LSU. Is there a difference between working with Eric Musselman, the assistant coach, and working for him as a head coach? Uh yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a difference, you know. He's, he's when he was at LSU, he's probably going ninety miles an hour. Uh, when he's, when he's here, he started going one hundred and fifty. You know, and so, so, uh, and and it's all positive. You know, and and, and you know, it, Eric's always been high energy, and um, you know, to see him now uh, again as a head coach of of his own program. Um, you know, whenever it's your program, everything, everything, every stone turned is, is, is your responsibility. And to see his attention to detail uh, from his staff to his players, um, now he's back in that head seat again. Uh, is a pleasure, pleasure to see. And you know, he's, uh, you know, even though I work for him, he's like a partner. You know, and, and, and I just hope that I can uh, bring him more success that he has here. He got off to a great start last year, and uh, I'm hopeful I can just add to the staff and. and and continue to help him uh, on his mission uh, to not only make an NCAA tournament but win, but win an NCAA championship. Well, obviously, you have the track record that screams that you'll be beneficial to the entire staff and the entire program. Um, just talking about your history for a bit, you left from LSU. Bo- both of you left from LSU um, after Johnny Jones was fired, and Musk took the head job at Nevada, and you took a position on the TCU staff, and I think that was under Jamie Dixon. I think it was his first year when you were on that staff. Um, what did you learn under Jamie Dixon at TCU? That's a great question. You know, we had a good four-year run at LSU, and, and um, I left, I think, two years before Coach Jones got, got fired. But, uh, you know, I was there four years, and, and, Jamie, and Coach Dixon, uh, we're, we're He's kind of in the St. Mary's tree a little bit. When I, him and Kyle Smith, who was with me at St. Mary's, were like close friends growing up. And so when Jamie got the job at TCU, uh, he and Kyle reached out, and he he hadn't been in the South uh, before as a coach, and wanted you know wanted somebody to help him that he could trust and kind of uh, understood the fundamentals of, of, of basketball and also could could help him in this region. And so going there, you know, I just learned, you know, we took over at TCU. They'd won four games in the Big 12 in four years, you know. And so um, it was, you know, they kind of underachieved in the Big 12, which is a big jump for that program coming from the Mountain West to the Big 12. Uh, but we took over a program who, who Trent Johnson had, had in a good place. Uh, but we took over when they had brand new facilities. And uh, we were able to, uh, you know, get that team to continue to play hard defensively, but Jamie brought a sense of urgency on the rebounding on the defensive boards. Man, way that we rebounded uh, like no other. I think we finished second or third in the Big Twelve in rebounding, and we're top twenty in the country rebounding that first year. Um, and just instilled in these guys about you should win every game you're in. You know, in that first year, uh, even though we didn't make, make the NCAA tournament, I think we ended up winning twenty three games. And, won the NIT in Madison Square Garden, which was a great experience for us. Um, ended up winning uh, seven games, I believe, in the Big 12 in year one. And so it was a major turnaround uh, for Coach Dixon, but to see him and be, be with him uh, building a program that had not had a lot of success in the Big 12, and I think they're still already uh, overachieving um, at that level. So when you were at TCU, uh, did you keep in touch with Coach Musselman while he was at Nevada? No. <laughs> we probably have a we probably have our weekly that's 
Arkansas. I said, hey, we talk enough, man. You might, might as well work for you. Um, <laughs> but I did. You know, I, I kept up with him and, and, and saw, you know, his, his year one and how that how that went and the big jump he made at Nevada. And, uh, you know, we, I had a former friend that was coaching there before him and Dave Carter, so I was always kind of a kind of watch Nevada because it's close to St. Mary's only a couple of hours away Uh, but to to see Mus's success uh, in a quick span there you know I was always always rooting for him you know and uh, you know his success when we went to the NCAA tournament in year two at TCU I didn't get to watch much of his run to the Sweet 16 because we were playing in the NIT which goes you know all the way into that final final four week Um, but we're rooting for for him from afar and uh you know, I had, I had no doubt he'd have success, and it wouldn't be there long. And you talked a little bit about building a program uh, at TCU, learning that whole process under Jamie Dixon. Um, obviously, those lessons carried over to your first head coaching job at UC Riverside. You led the Highlanders to their second winning season in program history in only your second year. So what is your philosophy that you've developed Um at your different stops for building a program? Look, I, I, I think to win and, and, and change the program, it's hard to say you got to put the ball in the basket. I think that's putting too much uh, emphasis and too much pressure on young men or women uh, to score every time they get on the floor because that's, that's what everyone wants to do. So my, my emphasis was we're going to defend and rebound every night and try to take care of the basketball. And if we did, did those three things, uh, I said we'd be in every ball game. And, and be close games. You know, uh, we were fortunate to have probably the same athletes that we, you have at have at this level. Um, but we were we, we were big and we were sticky defensively and rebounding. Um, we, you know, we ended up. You know, I took over there. We were like 300th, I think, in the country defending and rebounding. And this last year, we finished in the top 10 in both categories uh, in nearly every defensive category. So I just tried to hold them accountable on the defensive end on the floor, um, and then. If I was going to be there again, I was going to try to get the offensive, offensive side fixed. You know, and I've been an offensive guy my whole life, but I, I just felt for me to, to make that step and, and try to win from the jump, the defending and the rebounding was something at Riverside that we had to improve on and in an area that I thought could separate us from the rest of our competition out in that area of the country. Well, I think you only allowed 60 points a game last season. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, that was my goal every game. It was actually 59 points was that goal, but 60, I knew that was damn near impossible. But if we got to 60, <laughs> that was, that was a, a good, you know, a good telltale sign. And, and, and that's where we could compete. You know, we were big uh, there. We had 7'2 and 7'1 and 6'10. Uh, but, you know, we didn't have the athletes or, or, or the pace yet to be able to play up and down. You know, I, I'd like to play high scoring like like Coach Muss is playing, but we just weren't able to do that. But I did know uh, that we could we could go out and rebound with anybody I felt um, in, in the country. So you have experience coaching uh, height then. Uh, now you're coaching a seven-foot-three shooter. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't know if uh, you'd be able to take that kind of expertise dealing with 7-1 and 7-2 on the defensive end and kind of develop Connor Vanover into a elite defending seven foot three postman. <laughs> hey, that, that, that's the hope, you know. I guess the, the advantage is my seven foot three guy couldn't shoot threes the way Connor can, so I'd probably be, be uh, being counterproductive on the other end. But I, I think we can, you know. I know 
different here at the moment. Uh, but, you know, we're an early work in progress here. Obviously, it's only only August 31st, the last last day of August here. Uh, but I think Connor um, gives us a unique skill set in his size, with his ability to kind of protect the rim uh, just with his sheer height, and then his ability on the offensive end to stretch the floor and shoot the three. Um, but it's definitely um, a good mix, you know, because he, has, he does have great size in the paint. And the guys we have behind him have also got good size uh, this year, which looks like it's a lot different than their team was last year. Oh, yeah. I was uh, actually writing an article last night uh, actually on rebounding and how that was hopefully looking to improve for, for next season compared to last season when the starting center was A.G. Bailey at six foot six. Um now there's the potential, bunch of different lineups, rotations, all that kind of stuff. But if there was ever a need, there is a potential to have every single player on the floor be six foot six or taller, and that's just a completely different height level from from last year. No, that well, size, and you know, you mentioned my team at uh, at Riverside, and even our teams at TCU and and, and St. Mary's and LSU. We were big. You know, we have big guards, and I think when you have big guards, it enables you to rebound. You know, and, and you know, obviously, Mus was given the, the given the hand he was dealt last year, and did the best he could do with that, which 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 he overachieved. And who knows, they might have made the NCAA tournament if the if the, uh, if the SEC tournament wasn't shut down due to COVID. Um, but now, you know, this is kind of the makeup team he has. You know, he's always like me talked about being six five six six or bigger at every position uh because you can switch some you can you can cause mismatches on 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 offense and then you're not killed on the glass you have an advantage on the offensive and defensive glass when you have that kind of size and and you can play different lineups and so uh that's a good tool to have in year two um at any program and i i know i hope is to continue to 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 use that mold and, and and build on that so when you were at Riverside, when you were rebounding so well and defending so well, did you keep all five players on the side of the court to rebound? I know some coaches will send a point man down, running down, trying to get a quick bucket in transition. But I saw last year uh, Coach Musk kept everybody on the floor. Uh, was that your same philosophy too? Yeah, on the defensive end of the floor, we definitely, like you, we had to get a body and you couldn't leave until the ball was secured by, by us. You know, and, and, and that was our, our philosophy. Um, and pursue the ball. You know, not just watch the ball when it's shot. Like, go pursue it and, and track it down. And I know that's an emphasis uh, that we've been doing here. You know, Coach Musk obviously knew that was was an was a area that, that we needed to improve in. You know, and some of it's by personnel, not, because, not by intent. Um, and we've done that. But I think that's an area, if you're going to win in this league, uh, you've got to be able to rebound. Uh, when you got to go down and beat the Kentuckys and Floridas of the world. Talking about the SEC real quick, you've been a part of the SEC or at least familiar with the SEC for a while. Just talk to me a little bit about how the league has improved, both with the talent pool that's being brought brought in from high school recruits, um, the quality of coaches that are in the league now. This is a completely different league than it was 10 or even just five years ago. Look, it's, it's it's definitely definitely changed. When I when I came in the league in 2012 or 2013, uh, it's definitely been an overall. You know, Frank Martin was 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 just new in the league, and uh, and uh, Coach Calipari had obviously done done a magnificent job at Kentucky. But you know, Billy Donovan was still 
Absolutely. You know, and so, you know, you look at now, uh, uh, Coach Buzz Williams, who had so much success at Marquette, now he's down down at A&M, and then you know, Coach Barnes, at, at the success he had at Texas, now he's at Tennessee. Um, you look at Coach Pearl that was at, you know, what he's done at Auburn. He had just come in the league when I, when I was there, and then Ben Allen down the street at Mississippi State. Um, and all his success at UCLA, you, it reminds me just from a coaching standpoint of how it was when I was in the Big 12. You know, every night you were, you were, we were in a dogfight not only with the team but with the coaches. And uh, you, you're not going to have any night off in this league, you know. And, and you talk about Quanzo Martin coming back and being at Missouri and, and, and Jerry Stackhouse being at Vanderbilt. The, 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 there is a, uh, There are great coaches in this league. It's already, you know, good players in here. And so, uh, you know, in my opinion, it's the best basketball league and football league in in the country, and and for a good reason when you talk about the SEC. I don't think you'll get much argument or pushback from that stance from many people. I think the SEC has pretty much established itself as the premier uh, college athletics conference, especially around uh, football, basketball, even baseball. So um, definitely agree with you there, and don't think you're going to get any flack for that comment at all. Um, when it comes to these head coaches and then all the talent and everything that we were just talking about, it's gotten to where it's not just the head coach, though, but these head coaches are putting together some incredible staffs, and you're seeing these staffs get job offers, head coach offers in the NBA and throughout college basketball. Um, you uh, being hired was viewed as one of the best off-season hires in the country. I think that was uh, from Jeff Goodman or uh, some other uh, national writers. What led to your decision to go from being a head coach to taking an associate head coach job, particularly all the way across the country? Look, I think two things. I think region, you know, my wife and I, we, we, well, you know, she's from Louisiana, born and raised, and, and you know, I've lived a significant part of my life there and, and, and have family there. And so um, we, we consider this part of the country home, you know. And when you, my decisions for basketball have, have always been, like, decisions to get better as a, as a coach. And, um, you know, to come back here, as much as I loved Riverside, you know, I, I wanted to compete with the best and, and Eric Musselman and compete against the best, which which I just said was the SEC, and uh, continue to grow as a, as a coach. And, and not that I had everything figured out in two years as a head coach at Riverside, but I thought if we can, if I can help this program continue to get better and help Coach Muss and his staff and the university, uh, you know, get back to the, the, those days in the 90s when they, they were competing in Final Fours and winning championships, that may give me an opportunity uh, to one day be a head coach at this level, you know, and, and uh, you know, it was a calculated decision. My, my oldest daughter's going, started ninth grade, and I wanted to be somewhere where I could at least finish her four years of high school um, and, and be able to enjoy that part um, and, and, like I said, compete against the best. And so um, that's why I, I came, and I've had opportunities nearly every year to, to go somewhere or help this guy, help that guy go to this program, but I was not just going to take any job. I thought this was uh, the best opportunity for me to continue to grow um, because I know Coach Must so well, and uh, I think our philosophies and our mentalities um, align, and uh, I'm hopeful I can, I can live up to, to, to his expectations for me. Well, I'm sure you will, and uh, 
obviously this staff, uh, it's kind of been a selling point uh, on the recruiting trail and just a marketability standpoint. Coach Muss is really big on getting that Razorback brand out there. Um, but the staff has a ton of NBA coaching and NBA playing experience. What unique perspective do you bring as an NBA scout to the staff? Look, and, and, and you touched on the staff. I think that's what makes the teams teams good. You know, if your task, staff is not tight and not connected, it's very, very hard to win because players can snap that out. So, you know, I met with Coach Corey Williams, who's, who's, a, who's an assistant coach here, who's a, also a former head coach at the Division One level and played in the NBA with the Chicago Bulls. And so um, he's a not only a great coach, but had, had, a, had a great pedigree at the highest level. And then you're adding Clay Moser, who's been with the Los Angeles Lakers for the past eight years and, and been at the NBA at the highest level. Um, you, you add him and his accomplishments along the way. And uh, when I look across my hallway and there's Earl Boykin sitting across from me and, and you know, his success in the league for 13 years, um, it's a good performance you know, environment you're in. You know, it's, 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 if you want to play at the next level, um, you have a staff that's – coached, played, uh, when you talk about myself scouting um, and, and, and drafting guys in the NBA, um, I, I think we can we encompass everything if you're a student athlete that wants to play at that level. I don't know what other program in the country has that rounded type of staff uh, to be able to get you there. For a program that hasn't been to the Sweet 16 since 1996 and hasn't had uh, – quite the the NBA the the amount of NBA draft picks as one would expect from from a program that had so much success in the 90s how do you pitch all of that to recruits like how, recruits see Arkansas and they see occasional first or second round NCAA tournament or NIT good regular season wins not a whole lot of uh, of postseason success they might see uh, a couple draft picks here or there uh, Patrick Beverly Bobby Portis Daniel Gafford um, but how do you pitch that to recruits to be like, hey, we're going to get you there. Um, we have the staff to do it. What, what else do you have to say to recruits? Look, we, well, we already have the facilities and the tradition, right? And 96, uh, gosh, I'm, I'm aging myself if it's that long ago. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's uh, you know, there's tradition here at Arkansas. And that's, that's one of the biggest things when you're talking about recruiting student-athletes, you know, and then uh, – the fact that Patrick Beverly's playing now and Bobby Portis and Gafford is still playing on TV. Uh, these kids um, can relate to them, especially Pat uh, still being in the playoffs at the moment. Um, but I think when you talk about getting to the NBA, it's, 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 it's player development. And it starts at the top with Coach Muss and um, his success as a head coach in the NBA and then as a college coach. You know, developing the Martin Twins who are playing with the with the Charlotte Hornets now, and being on that staff at LSU, and and, and having his hands on a Jordan Mickey and Jarrell Martin, um, and and those guys being first round picks in the NBA, uh, talks about how he's been able to develop players as a head coach. And then, you know, I'm hopeful that my my development of Patty Mills and Matt Delavadova and the fact that I still coach those two and Joe Ingles on the Olympic team with Aaron Baines. Uh, I know when I pick up the phone and talk about Ben Simmons, who's my godson, and uh, also Jarrell Martin, and even Kenwich Williams, who played for us at TCU, that's playing in the NBA for the Pelicans. Uh, not only have we, we, we coached 
Styles All-Americans, but with developed guys that have not been into being long-term players. And I think, uh, you know, if you look at our program uh, from afar, I think most people know that if, if you come here, you're coming into an NBA environment and where, where you're going to go develop not only to make to get drafted but to be able to stick in the league and and, and there's evidence of that um if you look at look at our bios and what we're selling uh from a staff standpoint and you touched on player development and I, I talked to coach ruda about this briefly i wanted to get uh to get your input on it as well this roster has 10 new players uh, that have not suited up for the razorbacks before you have jd note connor vanover and Bebe, who sat out last year. Obviously, Bebe has a torn ACL right now, but they sat out, so they never fully suited up and played in an actual game. Then you have the three grad transfers and the four true freshmen. How do you get all of those guys to mesh and, and develop chemistry in the span of one off offseason, uh, obviously besides the three sit-outs? Look, I think it's done in the summer, and obviously this year has, has, has been a tumultuous year for for all involved in college sports but but we've had the the we've been able to be on our campus i guess since, since mid-june as a, as a team and, and getting these guys to mesh together off the floor you know we're going into i guess week seven of, of workouts at the moment we can work out four hours a week and so we see our guys uh monday to monday to friday nearly every day and uh that's that's how you mesh together as a, as a unit in and that time's done in the off season it's hard to it's hard to do come come you know mid September or early October when official practice starts but um, that's that's kind of how you become a team in the off season so we've been we've had the pleasure of being able to do that and get these guys together in the weight room and get them on the floor shooting in the mornings and uh, I think the foundation was set or I know the foundation was set last year um, by Mason Jones and what he did in his offseason. And so for me coming in uh, in early July and seeing the work ethic of these guys getting in on their own as a group at 6, 7 a.m. in the morning and then us coming in, being with them for 45 minutes at 2 o'clock every day, uh, there's a cohesion there um, and a smell in the air that's not that, that that's a good smell uh, when it comes to uh, uh, seeing the work ethic and the guys uh embracing each other and, and, and buying into what we're, we're preaching here well and there was some there's a picture that circulated on social media from the Razorback basketball uh, Twitter page and social media and all that kind of stuff where it was Vance Jackson Devonte Davis JD note and Desi Sills and it looked like they were having a really good conversation almost like Vance was coaching those guys up Um maybe holding them accountable, maybe just trying to point some things out to him, all that kind of stuff. Vance is a senior who has not been in the program before. He's a graduate transfer. He's he's only been here for X number of, of months, but it, it looks like, maybe I'm reading too much into a single picture, but it looks like he's kind of taken on that leadership role um, along with someone like Desi Sills who's been in the program for three years. Um, is that an accurate assessment to say that Vance is taking on a leadership role and, the, and that the players are doing a good job of holding each other accountable? Look, I think you hit the nail on the head. I think you know, when, when you look at Vance, who, who played at UConn at, at a high level in the Big East before going to New Mexico, and, and, and Desi, who's been in the program for a year, um, and I look at those two, Jalen Tate and Justin Smith, as our, as our four older guys, 
um, you know, who've been through the battles and, and to see them talk to those freshmen who, like all freshmen, have ups and downs, especially this time of year because there's a lot coming at them. Um, and they're good freshmen. Like, these guys can play. Um, and some, some upperclassmen resent that and don't want to help younger guys because they think they're going to take their minutes or they're going to take their time. But, but this group has not done that uh, to this point, which, which I think – gives us a chance to be special, you know, and, and they, they help each other out and they push them through drills. And when, when we get on them or coaches get on them, and it's, it's always for good. It's always better when you get reassured by your teammates, um, that, that, that is coming from a good place. And that's what those guys do, you know, and, and that's why I think, uh, we have a chance to do some special things this year because of the, the, the upperclassmen and the way that they're trying to bring these young guys along with them. Because uh, we do have a talented young group of freshmen. Uh, but like all kids, it, it takes time to learn and, and be through the wars that those are upperclassmen have been through. Arkansas fans are very passionate. We talked about that earlier. Um, but they're very uh, in tune on social media posts. And they see all the videos and all the pictures, the, the hype videos and, and all that kind of stuff. And they get excited. They get very excited. They, they flood the comments on Facebook, on Twitter, about how they can't wait for the season to start, um, all that kind of stuff. Is there any insight you could give any Razorback fans about what what's happening in practice, what to expect for the season, anything to kind of quench their thirst a little bit? I was there last year, so I didn't see, see how it went, but there's a whole lot of dumps in practice. And I've been at some high-level programs, but there is some some high flying going around when you talk about Moses Moody. If you don't block out, you're gonna get dunked on. <laughs> if, if if him or, or Justin Smith were anywhere near the near the basket, and then you know, I think the pace and how hard they play. I mean, I, I haven't seen a group dive for loose balls and and, and and take charges and then go down the other end and convert from the three point line the way this group does so early. You know, and so um, I think you're gonna have a group of guys that can play multiple positions uh, which isn't normal in, in, in college basketball um, and a group that competes for each other you know and, and, and I see that because we, we go hard one thing if you're going to come be a Razorback you're going to compete and, and, and practice and play hard every day um, and, and this whole group does that you know and so um, I think it's going to be an exciting group to watch and it's always exciting when you have good kids to root for. You know, there's, there's nothing like having not having not only having good players, but having great student athletes. And these guys uh, encompass that. Um, so I'm hopeful when we get on the floor uh, that the, the Razorback fans can see what I get to see every day in practice. Well, and that goes back to establishing a culture um, that Coach Musselman did in year one and was really helped out a lot like you mentioned by guys like mason jones and isaiah joe and in establishing that culture and adrio bailey uh too um so final question here before i let you go i don't want to take up too much of your time what expectations do you have for this team for the upcoming season look i i I don't think you want to you know i don't want to speak for coach Moss, but i think you know we we have a team where we think we compete for the to be at the top of the SEC, and you know, anytime you're in that top top four, I means you can you can compete for an SEC championship, and I think that's the the, the goal, you know. And you know, I know a lot of people want to say NCAA tournament, but if you're in the top four, you're winning in this league. You, you you're you're a lot to the 
NCAA tournament, and then and then anything can happen once you get in that thing. But I, I have no uh, doubt that we we can compete uh, to win an SEC championship uh, because we have the ingredients uh, in place to be able to do that um, with the, with this group. And uh, hopefully we can keep keep improving uh, between now and the start of the season. But I do know. Uh, so far, we've, we've put a good foot forward. Arkansas has only won one SEC championship, and that was the tournament championship, not necessarily uh, regular season championships, since joining the SEC in 1992. Um, I definitely think the program is headed in that direction to be able to compete on a regular basis, uh, especially considering the roster last year and the uh, ahead of schedule type of, of winning that we saw last year. I don't think many people expected a roster of really seven to eight scholarship players uh, with their starting center being six, six foot six to win uh, 20 games. Um, that, that was That's a pretty incredible coaching job uh, in my view. No doubt about it. Anytime you're winning 20 games in, in any college basketball, I don't care what the level is, uh, you, you're doing something special, but to do that in the SEC um, at a place like Arkansas, um, you know, it, it shows you how good a coach uh, Coach Muss is and how good a job his staff did and how his players bought in last year. And so, you know, our hope is to just take that baton and, and, and get a little bit more than that if we can. And then, you know, I think good things can happen uh, for this group. Um, you know, come March or April, whenever they decide to play this tournament. Yes, sir. Well, thank you so much for hopping on here this morning with me, Coach. I really appreciate it. No, thanks so much for having me on. And don't forget, if you need some more gear, please come get it out of my house. Coach, I'm going to have to hit you up on that for real. I'm going to I'm going to need to get me some more St. Mary's gear. Maybe some Arkansas gear, too. Who knows? Yes, no <laughs> doubt about it. Hey, all my friends are asking for Arkansas gear, but but once again, I'm so so thankful to be be a Razorback now, and I, I can't thank you enough for having me on your show. Yes, sir. Well, have a great day, and I look forward to seeing what the team does this year, obviously, and look forward to seeing you on the sidelines. Thanks so much. That concludes this episode of the JC Hoops podcast, and once again, I'm Jackson Collier. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at JCHoopsPod, and please follow the Arkansas Rivals Twitter handle at Arkansas Rivals. Subscribe to the Hogbeat Pods on Spotify and on Apple to get notified when new episodes are published, as well as episodes of the Hogbeat Hour with Nikki Chavanel and Andrew Hutchison. A big thank you to all of our listeners and to our sponsor, CJ's Butcher Boy Burgers. Be sure to tune in next week as we will have another special guest and more basketball content for Razorback fans. Have a great week.